Good morning, TRC. Uh, I'd love to be there with you in person, but uh, as many of you know, I can't be. Uh, Jeff, of course, is away at a conference, and Drake is away uh, as well, and so we thought the best thing to do would, would be to do this through video. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to go through the book of 2 John, very short book, uh, just 13 verses, and uh, uh, just kind of discuss the theology of John, but also what John wants to convey is the true nature of the Christian. So before we do that, let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord. We, we thank you for the direction that it gives us. Uh, we thank you for the correction that it gives us, Lord, to put us back on track. So many times we get caught in a pseudo-Christian life where we have one element of Christianity and not the other. And I pray that as we go through the book of 2 John, that this little letter will inform us and get us back on track to a full Christian life. We thank you for all these things, Lord, and we ask that you might be glorified in all that we say now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and read the book. Uh, From the elder to an elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, not I alone, but also all those who know the truth, because the truth that resides in us will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly because I have found some of your children living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded us. But now I ask you, lady, not as if I were writing a new commandment to you, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, thus you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, people who do not confess that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out so that you do not lose the things we have worked for, but receive a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not remain in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who remains in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Do not even give him any greeting, because the person who gives him a greeting shares in his evil deeds. Though I have many other things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come see you and speak face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Now, the first thing that we see here is that John is writing to the elect uh, lady. And, And so a lot of people think, oh, well, maybe this is a woman who's at the head of the church or something of that nature. Well, that's not really it. John typically uses the metaphor of a woman when he refers to the church. So in Johannine literature, like the Gospel of John, you'll have the, the, you know, the bridegroom imagery, and therefore the church is the bride. In Revelation, you have uh, the bride of Christ. And here again, you have the elect lady. And notice he's talking to a local church, and so he calls that local church an elect lady. And when he ends the letter, he says, the children of your elect sister 
greet you. Notice the children of your elect sister. So from one local church to another, viewing them as women. So this is not about like, you know, elders who are women in the early church or something as people try to make it. But what I want you to notice about this epistle is that it's very short. Um, I plan this sermon to be very short. We'll see how that actually works out. But uh, because it's through video, I think that it's a good idea to make it shorter. But it's very short, and yet it packs a huge amount in it by just talking about two elements that really describe the whole of Christianity. What does the Christian life look like? I want you to notice, he says, from the elder, now notice he calls himself an elder. This is a transition. The apostles now are transferring their authority to the elders, and and they call themselves elders uh, in that regard. To an elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I alone, but also all those who know the truth. Because of the truth that resides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. These two elements that John keeps mentioning, truth and love, and then he's going to describe love and truth again in the body of the letter, make up the whole of the Christian life. And if you only have one and not the other, you are not living out the Christian life. This is very important. And so the first aspect I want to talk about is I want to talk about that modern evangelicalism doesn't really care about truth, but it's all about talking about love. And so love goes even beyond the boundaries of Christ to a Christless Christianity, to a Christless love, so that we're just to love general humanity just for being humans, just just love people for being human beings. And so love your friends and and love people and, and, and all of that just very generically. I want you to notice that is not what John is saying. John is saying that he loves them in the truth. It is truth that provides the boundaries for who we love. Remember, love and hatred has to do with a choice, right? You have to choose one person over another. If you're going to take care of this person as opposed to that one, pray for this person as opposed for that one. You can try to pray for the world, but good luck on that. You're going to have to choose. And so who are you going to choose? Well, it should be those who are in Christ. And so this, these are those who are in Christ, those who know the truth. And I, I want to relate this to us because, I look, I see Facebook posts all the time and people who say these things and they write books about it, how it's really about love and not so much about doctrine and truth and things like that. Well, that's not Christianity. Love without truth is misdirected. Misdirected love is hatred. Um, you can you can love someone all you want, but if you don't know how to love them, you could be harming them. And in fact, if you're speaking lies to them, you are harming them. That isn't love. Love must function in the truth because the very nature of God is truth and the very nature of God is love. And so they are combined together. They cannot function separately. 
And yet we want to divorce them from God. We want to divorce love from God. We want to divorce love from, from, from Christ. And that's not what John is teaching. He's not teaching us a Christless Christianity. And so we must have truth. There are boundaries within love. And knowing those boundaries, it, it helps us understand, well, how we love. So that brings us to the second point is that I don't think most of us, even in the Reformed camp, understand how we're to love. I think that we are doing what most evangelicals do, and that is we are replacing real love with a general emotional affection. We're replacing love with emotion. So we say that we love someone because we, you know, we feel some sort of sympathy for them or something. That isn't love. That may be the beginning of love, having sympathy. I think you should have sympathy for one another. Absolutely. But that's not love. John defines love in his epistles as you actually care for the person. I don't mean care as an emotional care. I mean that you actually take care of that person. You pray for that person. You take care of their needs. You think about that person. And here's where I think that even in the Reformed camp, and this is just typical, I think, in churches in general, where we go wrong in terms of love. I think we think we love other Christians because we have a bunch of friends in the church. We have a little clique that we hang out with in the church and because we love them as our friends, we think we're fulfilling Christian love. John probably doesn't even know any of these people. He's writing to a church that he doesn't go to in another city. Yet he loves them. Why does he love them? Not because they're his buddies. Not because they're constantly hanging out. Again, he probably doesn't even know them, yet he can have this love for them. How? What does Christ say in the Gospel of John? They will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. But why would they know that you're Christ's disciples? Other people love, don't they? Other, other people love their friends. Other people love their groups. The point is, is that you're loving others because they're in Christ. The Father loves the Son and all those who are in the Son. And therefore, everyone in the Son should love one another because they love Christ. That's the point. We're to love one another because we're in Christ, because we're in the truth. Because we've received the gospel, because we're a part of one another, whether we ever hang out or not, we should be thinking of one another, praying for one another, trying to find out what one another needs, because we actually love one another. Not because we feel fuzzy feelings toward one another. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. We're to have brotherly affection, but I want you to notice in Peter, brotherly affection is to develop into love. So they're not the same thing. And we love one another, not because we're in a little clique together and we all hang out together. Everyone loves their friends. Christ makes this point. Everybody loves their friends. Everybody loves their relatives. So what? Yeah, the people you hang out with, you love them. 
Everyone does that. Everyone who doesn't know Christ does that. What is distinct about a Christian is that they love one another because they love Christ, which is why they can love a Christian overseas who is being persecuted, who they've never met, and maybe send them money for food or to endure the persecution. It's why we can love one another. You may have never talked to another person in the congregation before, yet you can love them, pray for them, be concerned about them, and and want to uh, look to care for them because they represent Christ to you. They're in Christ, and that's why you love them. If you're going to church because you have a bunch of friends there, then congratulations. That's what teenagers do, right? They go to churches because their friends are there, their youth group's there, and when their youth group ends, they don't go to church anymore because it's really just about the people. And and what's the number one complaint of why people don't go to church, or at least before the COVID thing uh, especially? Well, you know, I, I just was burned by the people, yeah, I just, you know, I, I love Christ and everything, but I just, I can't stand the people. Then you don't love Christ and you're not a Christian. And if you are a Christian, you're in sin and you need to repent. No one, no one loves Christ and not Christians. Because you don't love the Christians because they're perfect You don't love the Christians because, well, they met all your needs. You know, all these people who walk into churches like, hmm, yeah, I'm going to church shop today. You know, how is this church going to react to me? You know, I want to make sure that they're a friendly church and everybody's greeting me. And look, we want to be a friendly church. That's great. But if your first question when you walk into church is, uh, what can this church do for me? You already are not walking in love. Your first question should be, oh, these people believe the truth. They're in Christ. How can I love them? That's the Christian life. And if you're shopping from church to church because you're looking about how people can love you, then, I mean, good luck to you, but you're not actually walking in in love and truth. We ought to walk into a church and say, you know what? How can I serve Christ today? Well, Christ is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. So you're going to serve Christ today by serving the people who represent him. You're going to fellowship with Christ today by fellowshipping with the people who represent him. You're going to hear the words of Christ today by hearing the people who represent him. And you're either going to love those people or you're not based on the fact that they're in Jesus Christ. Not because you like them. Yes, a lot of you have great personalities. Congratulations. You're very likable people. That's good. But that's not the primary reason that we should love one another. If we love Christ and we are in fellowship with Christ, we will love his people. And what scares me is that you have a lot of reformed people who are big on learning a bunch of truth but not so big on really loving other Christians, which tells me that their relationship with the Bible is not with Christ through the Bible, but with the Bible alone. John also records Christ saying in his gospel, you search the scriptures, talking to the the Jewish leaders, 
Because you think in them you have life, yet they all speak of me. Do not fall into the trap of thinking because you learn truth, because you learn the Bible, you somehow have a relationship with Christ. That is what the Jewish leaders did. You must know the Bible. Look, in order to know Christ, to know God, he has revealed himself here. This is the means through which we have a relationship with God. And yet, it is possible to just have a relationship with this, to just learn theology, to just learn ethics, to just learn the Bible as though it's a guide for life, rather than a door that I walk through to fellowship and commune with my Savior and Lord. Those are two different religions. And so John is going to say, look, you need truth. There are these people that he mentions who are anti-Christ. They are, they are talking about Jesus not really having a physical body. In other words, not really being human. Uh, that the Christ is, is kind of, you know, this is the Gnostic idea, that the Christ is, is something that came over Jesus. You see this idea like in, in the Baha'i faith or New Age or whatever, where Christ can then come over Jesus, but then he can come over like uh, uh, Muhammad and he can come over like different leaders throughout, religious leaders throughout time. Um, that's why John constantly says, no, Jesus is the Christ. And so you cannot go beyond this boundary. Those who have gone beyond the boundary, they do not have God, John says. You stay within these boundaries. You must know the truth. The truth is essential. You cannot have love without the truth because you can't have Christ without the truth. And you need Christ in order to have love. Love for God and love for one another. You cannot have a Christless love and be a Christian. And so you see then how essential it is. You can't have an antichrist. Antichrist means a replacement Christ. You can't have a different Christ. You have to have the one that's actually revealed, the true Christ who exists. And so that also means that we don't divide from people who maybe use a different Bible translation because that has nothing to do with antichrist. Or maybe some people believe that speaking in tongues is okay and that God talks to them, not in a, a terms of like a, a biblical revelatory way, but telling them, you know, what, they, what kind of groceries they should buy or something. Whatever. We don't divide over those issues. Why? Because we love one another. And as long as you're in Christ, you can have ideas that we think are wrong. That's, so, that's okay. We'll grow and learn together. And maybe you'll always hold on to those views. That's all right. It, it doesn't matter because it's not affecting the core truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so we can walk in love, but you do need to believe certain things. You do need Jesus. You do need his work. And you can't walk in love without them. And so John says, if you go beyond those boundaries, you don't have God in you. And do not allow anyone in your churches. That's what the house is meaning here. Don't greet them into your churches. Don't welcome them into your churches who do not have the true Jesus Christ or deny the work that he did. Um, that's antichrist, and you're not going to be able to love one another because now you have a different Christ. You're not going to have Christ as the center of your love. You're not going to be able to love. So both truth and love are necessary in order to have 
the right Christian attitude toward the church and to live out the right Christian life. And my fear is, is that as a Reformed church, that we would get away from that and we start forming cliques and we start loving our friends. So we think we're fulfilling love. And we think that we're just, you know, we're, we're bolted up on the truth. So we got it. We got truth and love. And yet, do we have truth and love? If we're not really loving people because they're in Christ. And that's the, the foundational reason. That's all you really need. It doesn't need to be, well, I love them because we're in Christ and, you know, we love the same shoes. Uh, I love them because we're in Christ and we both like to go fishing and we really both like Marvel and we really both like this movie and that movie. And it's like, that's great. That's great. Uh, that's fine. And I'm not saying, hey, don't be friends. I think it's natural. You'll have different groups in the church kind of break off. You guys live in different areas. You might actually, you know, congregate with people who live in different areas. That's fine. But that should not be the basis of your love for one another And you'll know whether it is based on whether you love other people you don't hang out with in the congregation. You should be thinking about everyone. I think about all of you. Whether you hear from me, whether we hang out or not, obviously we haven't been hanging out. I think about all of you. I pray for all of you. I try to look to see where you guys need need something. I ask around. I try to find out. Um, this is what you should be doing with one another. This is what love actually looks like. And don't replace love with sentimental feelings in order to justify being unloving. Look, if, if you come into the congregation and you're nitpicking people based on what they're wearing or the way they said something or whatever it may be, If you find yourself talking bad about people in the congregation, you don't love one another. And don't tell me you love one another because you have gushy feelings about one another when you think about one another or that you can be sympathetic or that you can kind of pray for one another in that way. Don't replace actual love with feeling. I pray that your feeling would come forth from love, but it wouldn't replace it. That's our modern-day sacrifice instead of obedience. We don't sacrifice animals. We just give gushy feelings to replace instead. We replace actual obedience to God in loving one another by feeling fuzzy feelings toward one another. And we think somehow we've fulfilled what God has told us to do. We have been called out to love one another in truth. And indeed, John will say in this first epistle, not just in word, And that's what John is trying to get at here. And so that in the truth of Jesus Christ, we can love one another truly because of Christ. And that means when we have a rivalry between one another, we can squash it pretty quick. Why? Because of Christ. But if my love for you is based on you liking me and you saying the right thing to me and you doing the right thing for me, our love is not based on Christ. It's going to be a lot harder to squash. So I'm simply encouraging you, I, I'm, I'm urging you today, love one another based on Jesus Christ, your love for Christ. And, and my, my fear is, is that if we're not loving one another based on Jesus Christ, are we really having a relationship with Christ? Because that should flow forth from it. We have a relationship with Christ through the truth, 
And our relationship with Christ then flows into our love for one another. Our love for Christ flows into our love for one another. So truth and love together. Just as as in the same way, I fear for evangelicalism that just wants to talk about love apart from truth. That either you have truth or love, when in fact Christianity is about having truth and love. So John says, look, this is, this is how we love God. We obey his commandments. And what's, his command that, what's the command that John's drawing out? That you love one another. He's not talking about, well, this is love, that you obey the Mosaic 613 commandments. That's not what he means. Now, obviously, we would view the morals of the law as expressions of love. But the point is, is that if you love God, you'll obey his commandment to love one another and love one another correctly in Jesus Christ because you love Christ. Not because you just like one another or dislike one another. And so I, I urge you today, if, if you've not been coming to church because, yeah, you were burned by some Christians, good, you're going to be burned. Here's a test for you then to see whether you're going to actually love Christ and love Christians based on Christ or whether you were just loving because of the way you were treated. And now you're not going to love because you were mistreated. Well, then you were loving for the wrong reasons. Forget judging everyone else. Judge yourself. You're not living as a Christian. You're not loving as a Christian. The devil has you off on others, nitpicking them. But you should be nitpicking yourself. Love in Christ and in truth. Fellowship with one another. Love one another pray for one another, find out one another's needs in every way that you can. That's the message of 2 John. Uh, I pray that uh, we take it to heart today and that we get off this idea that, well, as long as I'm learning truth, I'm living the Christian life, or as long as I have fuzzy feelings, I'm living the Christian life, and understand the Christian life is about truth and love. Let's go ahead and end the word of prayer. Father, again, we come before you and we ask for forgiveness for either not seeking the truth in love or not really loving and replacing it with a fake love. Father, I pray that John today would get us back on course and understanding that we need both, that there are boundaries around Christ that we cannot go past. We must love within those boundaries and we must make our love in its foundation of our relationship with Christ. Lord, we thank you today for this word. And again, we just seek to exalt you in all things in Jesus name. Amen.